Uh, remember, as we've said throughout uh, the collection of these boxes, each box has uh, the gospel track in it. And this is for us to get to 200 children. 205 children will get to uh, experience the gospel because of your faithfulness uh, to God, your generosity to God. And now the rest is up to the Lord um, that He would take these boxes and even now begin to prepare every child and every family that would receive a box. Let's pray on behalf of each child represented in these boxes. God, I pray for us that um, as we look at these boxes, we'd be overwhelmed um, with gratitude and thankfulness. Uh, It's a reminder of Your great provision to us and also Your great provision to the world, but more than monetarily, we'd be reminded of the Gospel that saved us if we know and have trusted You. And we now pray that these boxes, as they're sent all over the world, uh, but as children will open these boxes and experience joy uh, from the gifts that are in the boxes, that God, they would not uh, cloud their eyes and minds to the greatest gift that's in the box. And that's the Gospel, the truth that Your Son, Jesus, came to live a perfect life which we could not live and to die a death that we deserve to die so that we could have eternal life. I pray that if there's anyone of us that don't know that today, that You would draw us to Yourself. And for us that do know You as Lord and Savior, that we'd have an attitude of gratitude this morning. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for my salvation and salvation that are represented in this room. Lead us this morning as we dive into Your Word. Let it be food for our hearts and our minds to strengthen us as we go out into this mission field called the world. I pray this in Your mighty name. Christ Jesus. Amen. As Jared read, we will actually be, uh, the bulk of our time will be in Psalm chapter uh, 100. That's on page 500 of the Pew Bibles. I don't know if you're like me or like my family growing up. Every Thanksgiving we'd gather around the tables and before we were allowed to eat, we were uh, we had to go around the table and give a word of Thanksgiving, what we were thankful for. That, that seemed to be come very natural and easily as a child, um, but if you're like me, uh, my thankfulness has seemed to decrease over the years. It finds It's harder and harder to find things to be thankful for. Uh, I'm pretty much a, a pessimist by nature, not an optimist, so uh, we, we don't practice that in our house because I don't want to get put on the spot and look foolish, uh, but I really struggle with thankfulness. And as I was preparing this message this week and thinking about this idea of thankfulness as we head into the Thanksgiving week, uh, we do have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? But if you're like me, I've got to dig deep to find a place of gratitude and thankfulness. And as, as I was wrestling through that passage, I came across this story where this lady, her name is Corey Ten Boone, struggled with thankfulness. If you know anything about Corey Ten Boone, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And she is, uh, was in the, the concentration camps. And in this story, she, uh, in this book, The Hiding Place, she kind of tells her memoirs of what it was like for her uh, to be in the concentration camp. And in this one particular story, I'd like to share with us this morning. She says this. She had just got moved from one uh, room in the concentration camp to another room in the concentration camp. And she was beginning to fall asleep when she began to feel things crawl on her. Now, I don't know about you, but if things crawl on me when I'm trying to fall asleep, 
I don't sleep well. And so she rolls over to her sister and tries to get her sister's attention. Her name is Betsy and tells, says to Betsy, hey, 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 hey. And she notices as she turns to wake her sister up, her sister is already awake and praying. And so Betsy rolls over and they begin to have this conversation about gratitude and about thankfulness. And so they continue to go back and forth and Betsy's walking young Corey Ten Boone about this place of gratitude and to be thankful for. And Corey Ten Boone, these aren't in the book, but this is basically what she says. What do I have to be thankful for? Look where we're at. Look what's going around me and in me and on me. What do I have to be thankful for? And Betsy peered down as she was praying and she held the Bible in her hand and she says, the Bible. And then they begin to have these conversations about being thankful. And Corey Tim Boone in the story is continuing to struggle with, I don't have anything to be thankful for. And so, over the time, Corey Tim Boone continues to struggle with gratitude and thankfulness. And then her sister tells her one night, one thing we have to be thankful for is the fleas and the lice that's crawling on us. Well, as you could imagine, Corey Tim Boone thought to herself, you've got to be crazy. Like her hair is infested with lice and all over her body is she's covered with fleas and flea bites. And this room is a massive room packed with Jewish people who are about to be killed. And yet, Betsy says, we have a lot to be thankful for. And the story continues on and Corey Tim Boone is continuing to struggle with this. But over time, Corey Tim Boone and her sister Betsy notice something. They are able to gather the women in that room to begin to have a church service. And it was the one place that the guards would not enter. They would not mess with the ladies as they had their worship service. And then one morning, Corey Tin Boone was uh, making socks. That was her job as she was making socks and she couldn't make the socks right. And so she goes to the prison guard that's overlooking uh, them making the socks and she says, hey, can you come and inspect our work? And the lady says, there's no way I'm going in there. And Corey said, but why? But why? And she says, because you're covered with fleas. And then that moment, Corey Ten Boone realized God had placed her in that room to be a witness to all those ladies and they were able to have a church service every night because of the fleas. I thought to myself, how do I get there? If the passage that we're reading is true and it is going to push us to Psalm 100, what Jerry just read to us, Paul says, in all circumstances, be thankful. Always rejoice. You know, we often ask, at least I often ask, what's the will of the Lord? Anyone ask that question? Well, Paul answers that question. The will of the Lord is to give thanks. And so the question I pose to us this morning and to myself is how? I want to look at four things. How do we give thanks this morning? How do we have an attitude of gratitude? How do we have hearts of thankfulness? Let's turn to Psalm 100. 
Psalm 100 is written by David, who we just studied for the last several weeks. This is the only psalm in all the psalmists, all 150, that it said this about. This is a psalm for giving thanks. Of all the 150, this is the only one that's labeled a psalm of thanksgiving. So I think it's appropriate for us today as we come here in a few moments to go down and eat to be reminded of how do we give thanksgiving. Let's read verse 1-5 through and then I'll teach four things from this passage. This is what the writer says about thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise to the Lord and all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. And so the psalmist is going to give us a model of how we are to give thanksgiving. He starts off with the how. How do we give thanksgiving? He uses three words in the text. Circle these three words. The first word is to make a joyful noise. Make. The second word is to serve with gladness. And the second one is to come with singing. So he tells us three action words. He starts with how do we do this thing of thanksgiving? We are to come to the Lord with shouts of praise. Your translation may say. So we come, we make a joyful noise. So I asked the question this morning. Do you come into this place with shouts? These are declarative action words. These are not meant to be in the heart. Not does your heart come with shouts of praise, but does your mouth shout His praise? You see, I often wonder for us, church, do we really come to the Lord's house with shouts of praise? We ought to be able to blow the roof off of this place if we really understood thanksgiving. If we really had gratitude for what God did for us, we would shout with praise. I don't know if you've ever been to, I'll say it this way, you uh, Tennessee fans, the Titan fans, anyone ever been to one of those games? Does it not go crazy when people enter into the stadium? It becomes so loud in there, it becomes deafening. True? And yet I wonder, church, how is that not true for us? in this building. You see, all of us are created by God to worship God. And so all of us, in believer or unbeliever, are created by God to be worshipers. We will find something to shout about. And so the psalmist is telling us to let's go to the Lord with thanksgiving. So we must shout. We must make a joyful noise is the first thing he tells us. The second thing is how do we give thanks? Is we must what? Serve the Lord. You see the old adage in the church is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's because we don't come and we do not 
serve the Lord with thanksgiving. All of us, if we're believers, ought to serve the Lord. But it has to be driven through our thankfulness, and we'll get to this in the passage. Our service is driven because of thankfulness, not because of duty. If all we do is do service out of duty, you know that service will not last very long. And so we must have thankfulness in the driver's seat of serving the Lord. And how do we serve the Lord? With great gladness. Do we have gladness when we serve the Lord? Or do we do it by begrudging submission to Him? The last thing He says to us and how to give thanks is that we must come into His presence with singing. We cannot wait, church, to come into this place to bring worship and gratitude. It's The psalmist says it's this active coming as we are on our journey in life. We must always be giving thanks. That's what he's saying. When we come, when we're in our mode of transportation, in our means of transportation, as we're getting ready to go into the sanctuary, are you coming in here even this morning? Did you come in here singing praises? You see, if like my family growing up, when we went to church, going to church was not the most pleasant of times because my car did not come to church with Thanksgiving. It came to church with chaos. And I, I wonder to myself, and I asked myself this week, how often just in my small commute of 200 steps am I coming to church already singing praises to God? Do I come with an expectation? Do I come and do you come to church every Sunday morning expecting God to do something in your heart in the heart of everyone that sits around you, and ultimately the heart of the church. Do we come with praise? Do we come with singing? So that's how he tells us to give thanks. Now he goes into the next one, which I think these, the, this, this point and the fourth point are probably the most important points of the entire passage. He says, now, as you prepared this way of giving thanks, he says this, no. We must know who we give thanks to. He says, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and is He that we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Two things we see in this passage. This is who we worship. Do you know who you worship? I don't mean cognitively no. There's a lot of atheists that know God, but they don't know God. God does not care what you know. He knows He cares what you know. Do we really believe these two characteristics of who God is? The first one, it says this, underline this in your Bible. It is He who made us. We worship God. We give thanks to God because He is the Creator. There is a Creator God. We're not here because of the Big Bang. We're not here because some ooze in the universe collided together millions of billions of years ago. That is not who and how we came to be. We have a Creator that has created all things. That means He is all 
powerful. When you look at a creator, a creator takes nothing and makes something out of it. And he says to us, the writer says to us, we give thanks to God because he is the creator God. Again, Paul says this in his epistles. He says, how often do we worship the creation rather than the creator? You see, when we begin to worship creation rather than the creator, all of our priorities get turned upside down. Because that's when we worship a job. That's when we worship money. That's when we worship clothes. That's when we worship status. That's when we worship prestige. When we look at all that God has created and we put our worship onto those things, we know this to be true. Those things will never satisfy. That's why we keep going after more and more and more and more and more. There's only one that can satisfy. It's the one that created us. And so do we worship God as the Creator. The second one coming out of that is this. Do we worship God as the Redeemer? He says this, we are His. Key word in that passage, we are His. We are not our own. We are not anyone else's. We belong to Him. He tells us this through the Apostle Paul that He bought us with a great price. We were once away from Him. We did not belong to Him. And He bought us. That's the same with, it says in John 10. The Good Shepherd knows the sheep. The Good Shepherd takes care of the sheep. He says that in the passage. We, we are His. We are His people. We are his, in His pasture. We are His sheep. He is the great Redeemer. Do we worship God as the great Redeemer? If we, if all that we do is worship God as the Creator and Redeemer and none of His other attributes, that ought to give us shouts of praise. Do, do we realize that God redeemed us from our sin, our wicked ways? Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He bought us with a price. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That is the redemptive price. The Redeemer paid the price. I said it in my prayer a few moments ago. There had to be a price of redemption. And what God's Word tells us is the price is death. That our sin deserves death. And so all of us on this planet, whether you believe Jesus or don't believe Jesus, you will have to be, there has to be a price tag on your head that's covered with blood, either yours or someone else's. That's what the Redeemer does. He redeemed us through His own blood. Do we worship God that way? Do we come every day and wake up remembering what God has done for us? Like Every time you think of the cross, it ought to break our hearts and give us great gratitude. So that he says this is how we give thanks. This is who we give thanks to. And then he says this in verse 4. Where do we give thanks? He says, enter the gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise and give thanks to him and bless his name. The where we give thanks is in the sanctuary. Is in the church. 
that's, that's an, a call to the gathering of believers. You, you see here now in America, which is so sad, people say that they go to church and when I ask them where they go to church, they say they go to church online. Like what? How do you go to church online? No, at that point, you're just watching a TV screen. But what God has called us to is to gather together as the people of God into His courts with thanksgiving. We must gather as a church to give thanksgiving. Do, do you understand? That's one of the primary reasons we gather in this place is to worship God. The same way yesterday, we threw a party for Cedar. We gathered around Cedar to give praise to Cedar for turning four years old. So we gather together to celebrate Him. Well, we gather together to celebrate a risen Christ who died for us. That is what we give thanks for in this place. And so we must continue to gather together. But the gathering of God's people is for the praise of God. It's not for you. It's not for me. I do not come here for myself. I don't even come here for you. I come here for God and God alone to give Him all the praise. But I need you to do it with me. We must continue as a church to gather in the place of God to worship God together. You see, when we gather together and we worship God together and we go out of this place and we worship God together, a lost and dying world will see a difference in us as a community of people. And yet I wonder, church, how much time do we collectively gather here? We don't worship God and we don't leave this place and we don't collectively worship God together outside of this place. And we wonder why the world is headed in the direction it's headed in because the church is no longer worshiping God. God has not been the focus of the American church for a long time. What's becoming the focus of the American church is entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to feed you to Word of God, to the Word of God. You can leave this place and you can go and worship God together. But then you can come back on a Sunday, been with God for six days, and then you can tell me how you worship God and then I get to worship God with you through God's revealed truth to us. Let us worship God in this place together. But don't let this be the only place that you worship God. This is a small fraction of your week, an hour out of a whole week. And if you're not worshiping God outside of here, there's no way you can come for an hour and worship God. You have not prepared your hearts. You would not want us to do that today, right? You would not want us to invite you down to the fellowship hall in a few moments. And all that we have is all the ingredients from what you were to prepare. Some noodles over here, some cheese over here, some milk over here. That, that would be a pretty lousy dinner, would it not? Like we're just all sitting around looking at all the ingredients. It's not until we put all those ingredients together and make something out of it. That's what God is calling us to do. Prepare your hearts for worship. It's between you and the Lord to do the preparation. I'll continue to lay it out there for you. But you got to do the rest as you submit to the Lord. So we, that's how we give worship, verse 1 and 2. Who receives our worship is verse 3. Where do we do it? We do it primarily here and outside of here. We do it in the congregation of people. We were never meant to worship alone. 
There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. That's called a dead Christian. We must gather together and worship God together. The last thing that He says to us is He explains in the final verse why do we give worship? Why do we give praise and thanksgiving to this God in verse 3? You see, we, we could have a God that's a Creator. We can have a God that's a Redeemer. But if He doesn't have these other three things, it's going to fall short. So he says this, God is a creator, God is a redeemer, but this is how God is the creator and this is how God is the redeemer. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Why do we give worship? Because we have a God first and foremost. But we have a God that's good. Let me say that again. We have a good God. And I know the world tries to paint God in a different light. All, all He's out to do is, is to just strike us down with you know, a lightning bolt. God is a distant God. God, God doesn't care. Like that's what the world is painting this picture. No, the truth of God is that God is good. Now in His goodness, there has to be wrath. There has to be judgment or He wouldn't be good. He'd be flaky. So we serve a good God church. But not only that, does the psalmist tell us, not only does, do we serve a good God, we also serve a what? Loving God. Do you know that about God? He loves us. He loves us. If all the love that we ever see is in the cross, that ought to be enough. But His love goes well beyond the cross. Even the way that Corey Ten Boone experienced that day as she finally realized, no, it's the love of God that sent the fleas from God so that they could continue to worship God. You see, if the fleas were never around, the guards would have continued to harass them, would continue to bombard them, would continue to separate them. But the love of God sent fleas and lice to the camp so that they could come and worship God. Now that sounds crazy, but that's the love of God. You see, God sends us in our trials not because He doesn't care about us, but because He loves us. He knows that the trials in our life are going to produce something in us. And I believe it's a, a dependence on Him that would not be there without the trial. We've had a lot of trials in our church over the last year. And they have not all been pleasant trials. I believe if we go and we really talk about the trials of what we've gone through as a church and individual, we could all come back and say, I don't get it, but man, I've seen God work in ways I've never seen Him outside of the trial. And some of you are still in the trial. And I pray that you're seeing the goodness and the faithfulness of God in the trial. You see, that day that Corey Tim Boom woke up, and realize the love of God, the, the fleas and the lice didn't just fall dead. She continued to have that for the rest of her time in a concentration camp, if that's not bad enough. 
But if you read the story of Corey Ten Boom, she was a woman of great faith and love for a great and good God. So we have a loving God. We have a good God. And the last one, the reason we give thanks is this. We have a faithful God. God is faithful to His people. God never comes up short. God never sits and questions in the throne of God, what should I do next? This has caught me off God. No, we have a faithful God. He is always true to His character and to His Word. And that's the reason we can come. And that is the reason that we come and we celebrate and we give thanks to God. And as you go this week and you sit around the table with your family and you eat turkey or you eat ham or whatever you eat on your Thanksgiving and you think of Thanksgiving, my prayer has been this week, God, that we would give you thanks and you thanks alone. Not just the food that's sitting in front of us. Our life, our salvation, and all that comes with that. So in closing this morning, I ask this question. All of us, We'll give thanks to something this Thursday. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, you're unable to give Him thanks and thanks alone. And if there's nothing else that you hear in this message today, my prayer would be that you would hear this. That there is a good God, a loving God, a faithful God that sent His Son to die on your behalf so that you could see Him as Creator and Redeemer. Do you know that God today? If you do not know Him, there's no greater day to give your life over to the Lordship of Christ Jesus than today. And be thankful that He has done for you what you could not do for yourself. And that is save you from hell. And to you, Christian, my question is this. It's the same one. Do you remember your salvation? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, the psalmist said. If nothing else that you have in your life, beyond your kids, your wife, your car, your money, if all that was stripped from you and all that you had was your salvation, would that be enough? And that's what we give thanks for today. The finished work of Jesus. Let us go before Him and pray and prepare our hearts uh, as we go in fellowship in the fellowship hall. God, You are a good God. You tell us that here in this passage. You are a God of steadfast love and You are a faithful God. You are a Creator. You are a Redeemer. Holy Spirit, I pray that that would illuminate our minds and our hearts and remind us of Your goodness and Your kindness. And even as we go here in a few minutes and we eat, God, I pray as we eat that You through Your Spirit would remind us all that we have to be thankful for. I know in my own life, God, thankfulness and gratitude is so hard to grasp at times for me. It's because my perspective is off. When I don't find gratitude and thankfulness, it's ultimately because I'm worshiping creation and putting my hope and dependence on these things that You've provided rather than putting my hope and faith in You, the provider of those things. 
So God, I pray if there's anyone of us that here this morning that is struggling with thankfulness and gratitude, that today would be the, a day of reminder of all that we have to be thankful for. The greatest of those as a believer is Christ's righteousness that You bestowed onto us when we placed our hope and faith and trust in You. We have gratitude that You redeemed us when we are yet enemies of You. You are an amazing God. Let us be reminded of Your faithfulness and Your goodness to us. And that we offer our hearts back to You in an attitude of gratitude. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for all that You do. I pray this in Your sweet and holy name. Amen.